Welcome to the Bridge Church Podcast. Our purpose statement at Bridge Church is to reach people where they are and help them grow. We hope today's message inspires you towards growth, and we pray it's life-changing, and we hope to see you soon. Good evening, Bridge Church. (laughs) Uh, I think that's better than the four o'clock service, man. (laughs) They did that too, but uh, yeah. I appreciate it. If you didn't know, my name is Steve, and I think you probably heard that. And I'm one of the elders here at the Bridge Church, so it's great to be with you guys. Look at you guys. This is the turned up service right here, man. I like it. I like it. I love being at the six o'clock, see friends that I don't get to see normally at the four o'clock. So good to, good to be here. Good to be sharing the word. James, our pastor, of course, is taking a month sabbatical to be with family, to, to get alone with God and to really uh, prepare for the next season that God's going to lead our church and lead James to lead us. And so be in prayer for him as he takes this time. But I'm glad to get a chance to share with you guys. It's, it's pretty cool. I going to give you like one of my like secret passions, the things that I enjoy to do, a little bit embarrassing, um, but my girls make fun of me. I've got three daughters, 19, 18, and 13, good girls. Uh, two of them are getting ready to move out of the house. Woo! Yeah, that's what we love. Um, work all this way to get them out. No, we're, we're excited for them. But, but one of the things that I love to do is to get on YouTube and watch um, like America's Got Talent or uh, The Voice tryouts, like watching people come, just ordinary people stepping up to the mic and, and doing their thing and, and belting out some great song. I'll watch them over and over and over again, and I'll follow them. I don't watch them on TV. I just watch the, the singing clips on YouTube, and sometimes I'll, my girls will come in, and I'm crying and stuff like that, and they're like, Dad... But uh, I love, there's something about just seeing an ordinary person who's got an ordinary story step up and do something extraordinary, right? There's something kind of hardwired in us where we want to be that person. We want to take our ordinary selves and kind of take it to the next level and and do something extraordinary. Uh, There's something about seeing ordinary people do extraordinary things that's so exciting, I'm going to show some uh, pictures of people. Let's see if you guys know who this is. Anybody know who this is? Tom's Shoes. Blake Mykoski is his name. You would think it would be Tom, right? He's got Tom's Shoes. Uh, Blake is his name. Just an ordinary, he's a business guy who was traveling, and he saw these kids in developing countries and adults that didn't have shoes. A lot of diseases are transferred uh, through the feet as they would walk down muddy roads that were filled with uh, animal waste and, and things like that. So he decided to try to change this part, uh, or excuse me, to change, to have some kind of uh, redeeming factor in helping these kids get shoes. So he started a company, and he would sell a shoe, and then for every pair that he sold, he gave one away. So started this, this uh, social entrepreneurship that many have followed since him. But he really started changing the way a lot of businesses do their business and created a whole new track of business of, hey, I can make money, but I can also uh, be a blessing and a help to, 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 and combat some needs around our world. What about this, this guy? Nobody knows his name, but anybody seen this picture before? 
Yeah, we just uh, remembered the 30-year anniversary, I think it was, of Tiananmen Square in China. And it was, a, it was a protest that was started by a lot of young college students in China that were protesting an oppressive government. Um, and so they come into this area, Tiananmen Square, and they were protesting. Thousands came out. And then the Chinese government sends their army and military to, to quash or squelch uh, knock down the, the protest, and they send in the tanks, and this ordinary man, no, nobody knows his name, this ordinary guy, he's got a couple shopping bags, was doing his grocery shop and saw the tanks in this extraordinary moment, and he steps in front of these tanks as they were coming into the square uh, to put down this protest in, in China. As the tanks moved, he moved by side with it, and he eventually climbs up on top and starts banging on the tank before they grab him, arrest him, and nobody knows what happened to him. An ordinary guy found himself in some extraordinary circumstances and responded. And now he is the face, uh, or this picture represents for so many what it means to protest a brutal government. This picture. Lady in front, Miss Rosa Parks. Rosa Parks is, was in Montgomery, Alabama, grew up in Montgomery, Alabama in the mid-1950s. I think this was in 1955. She's an ordinary woman doing her business and living her ordinary life. But she did not agree with a segregationist law that, that segregated African Americans from whites, including on the buses, and where uh, African Americans were forced to sit in the back. She decided one day that she was going to sit in front. And even though she was told to, to move towards the back, she stood her ground. An ordinary woman who put in an extraordinary circumstance and did extraordinary things. And it was a catalyst for the civil rights movement. An ordinary person doing an extraordinary thing. All of these ordinary people who are driven by something larger than themselves. They're driven by a compassion or a, a passion to see some transformation and change in their communities or in, and with some cir circum circumstances that need to be changed. So the question is, as believers in Christ, what would happen if us, because this, this group is extremely talented. I'm always amazed when I come into our church and I look across our congregation and I talk to you guys. The talent pool in here is incredible. But we are still ordinary people. We're ordinary people trying to, to do the hustle and the grind of New York City and make it, right? We're ordinary people but we serve an extraordinary God who wants to do extraordinary, extraordinary things um, for us and through us. Uh, the, the thing I want to talk about then today is how do we, as ordinary people, align ourselves to God so that we can do some incredible thing, things? Because God uses us to draw other people to him. God uses us to draw attention to him. And I want to show you that in Acts 4. Acts 4, there's a there's a disciple, his name's Peter. In Acts 4, we're going to read about Peter and John, but we're going to talk mostly about Peter today. Uh, Peter was one of Christ's disciples. We'll 
learn about when he was called to follow Jesus and all of that, but he was one of Jesus' disciples after Jesus went to the cross and died. He was raised from the grave, and then he spent about 40 days with his disciples, and he told them as he was with them before he ascended into heaven, he said, when after I leave, there's going to be one that comes after me who will empower you, the Holy Spirit. The Spirit's going to empower you, and you're going to do great things. In fact, he says, you're going to do things beyond what I even did here on earth. And so, so they, disciples, after Jesus ascended, they all gather in this room and they're praying and then the Spirit comes down, empowers them, boldens them, and they start proclaiming and preaching about this Jesus uh, that they loved and followed. And it says in, in one instance, 3,000 people came to know Christ that day. And then another time, 5,000 people. And then they were doing these miracles, healing people. And that's where this story picks up. John and Peter were walking into the temple because they were still Jewish, but they loved and followed Jesus. And so they were going to the temple to, to do their worship. And as they were approaching the temple, there was a, a, a lame man, a guy who couldn't walk, sitting at the temple begging for money. Uh, when you were, had any kind of disability at that time, you, you basically lived off the generosity of people around you. You had no way of working. And oftentimes you were disowned by family. So he would beg for food. And, and uh, Peter tells him, listen, I don't have silver or gold to give you, but I'm going to give you something else. He says, you know, take up your mat and just walk away. And so he heals them. And this causes a, a little bit of controversy amongst the religious leaders because they feared this Jesus and all of his followers because people were really kind of pressing in towards them and they were excited about what was going on and they, they looked towards them for some leadership and, and the religious leaders didn't like that. They felt threatened. Their power was being threatened. And so they, so they grab uh, Peter and John and, uh, and this is where we pick up the story on Acts 4. Let me grab it right here. Sorry, my bookmark got moved between services. So that's where we pick up the story in Acts 4. And uh, it, it says this. It's, they said, after they had Peter and John stand before them, the religious leaders, they asked the question, by what power or in what name have you done this? Like, whose name did you heal this guy in? What power, what authority did you use? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, and said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today about a good deed uh, done to a disabled man, by what means was he healed? Let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, by him, this man is standing here before you, healthy. The, this Jesus is the stone rejected by your builders, which has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to people, and we must be saved by it. When they observed, look at this next verse, verse 13. When they observed, when the religious leaders observed the boldness of Peter and John, and they realized they were what? Uneducated, untrained men. They were amazed and recognized that they had been with Jesus. Uneducated, untrained, ordinary men, but they had been 
with Jesus. There's so much we could talk about today, but I want to talk about what it means to be extraordinary for the kingdom. Because if you want to leave the ordinary behind and live a life of extraordinary faith, then you've got to figure out what's ordinary and stop doing it, right? We just got to figure out what does an ordinary person do, and then let's stop doing that. So I'm going to talk about that. What, what does an ordinary faith look like? If you want to continue to live an ordinary faith and continue to do these things, but what does an ordinary faith look like? And let me share with you some of the things that I see in ordinary people people that are living an ordinary life for Christ and, and, and what they do. We're going to look at the life of Peter a lot, and we're going to see how Peter, because Peter wasn't always like this. Peter wasn't always this extraordinary guy that's, that's bold and healing. We're going to see some of the mistakes that he made and how he switched from being an ordinary person to an extraordinary person. The first thing, if you want to live an ordinary life, an ordinary faith, you've got to be stuck in your past. If you want to live an ordinary life, stay stuck in your past. Stay stuck in your past. I can't tell you how many people, I've been in ministry about 22, 23 years, how many people I've heard say something like, man, you just don't know what I've done in my past. You don't know the things that I've, that I've, I've committed or the things that I've seen or the things that I've been a part of. Um, they, I've heard people say, talk about, you know, if they walk into a church, the walls are going to fall in on them because of their unholiness and stuff like that. But we know that every sinner has a past and every, excuse me, every saint has a past and every sinner has a future, right? So we have a future because God has reconciled those things through the cross. And when we put our faith in him, he can take our past and fix it. He can take our past and erase it and use it for his good and his glory. Peter had this ordinary man, was a very ordinary man, and he had a past. He had a, a, a pretty, pretty bad past. One of the things we know about Peter is he is a fisherman. Fishermen were uh, very vulgar in the time. They, they lived a life of, of wildness, recklessness. And so just by his very profession, we know a little bit about Peter. He, he was known for being really rash and to, and to speak before he thought. Speak before he thought. Jesus had to call him out a couple of times. Uh, one time in particular, Jesus was asking his disciples, he says, you know, like, who do people say that I'm in, I am? When you're walking around town and you're going through the villages, who do they say that I am? And they responded and said, some say you're a prophet, some say you're this. And then Jesus asked them specifically, he said, well, disciples, who do you say that I am? And Peter, all of a sudden, just blurts out and says, you're the Messiah. You're the son of God. And Jesus says, you know, this is incredible. Well done for recognizing that. And then Jesus goes on to explain that he's going to have to have a painful death and that all of these things are going to happen. And guess what Peter did? Peter, who just said, you are the Messiah, the Son of God, he starts correcting Jesus and saying, no, no, that's not going to happen. You don't have to, you're not going to go through this death. That, that, that stuff's not going to happen. And, and then Jesus had to rebuke Peter. Uh, we also know Peter probably best for his denial. If you look at Luke 22, Luke 22, Jesus is with his disciples shortly before he goes into the garden and before he goes to the cross. And he turns to, to Peter, uh, verse 
31, he says, Simon, Simon, which Simon, it's Simon Peter, that's his full name. He says, Simon, Simon, look out. Satan has asked to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when you have returned back, strengthen your brothers. Now look at Peter. Lord, he told him, I am ready to go with you both to prison and to death. And then Jesus says, I tell you, Peter, the rooster will not crow today until you uh, deny three times that you even know me. That's Peter's legacy, poor guy, right? We all know Peter for the denying of Jesus. Every Christmas, we got, or excuse me, every Easter, we got to hear about it again and stuff. So Peter, he stands up and says, Jesus, I, I never deny you. I never forsake you. And Jesus said, listen, before the sun comes up, you're going to do it three times. And sure enough, he does. And so Peter had this pass. Peter had this pass. But when you look through Scripture, Scripture is full of people that have a past. Here's how I like to word it. I have three daughters, right? Eight, 19, 18, and 13. When they were kids, now they can kind of watch themselves. But when they were kids, there's not, I don't know if there's one person in this Bible that I would have let babysit my kids. You think about what these guys and gals have done. Would you let them with your kids? Probably not. It's King David, a man after God's own heart. But what do we know about King David? that he committed adultery, right? And then more so, he, well, I don't know if more so, just as bad, but he, he orchestrated events to get her husband killed. We know that about David, a guy, a man after God's own heart. Rahab, who helped lead the Israelites into the promised land and the spies so that they knew how to take over the promised land. She was a prostitute, and yet God used her in an incredible way. She had a past. So the Bible is full of people with a past, but God can change that past. See, your story, your story, your past, no matter how bad it is, no matter how bad you think it is, no matter how bad the things are you've done, you think those are, your story is not a reflection on how bad you are, but it just points to how good God really is. Because when he can take your story, when he can take your past, when he can take Peter's past, and he can take King David and, and Rahab and so many others, Paul in the Bible. Paul was like the greatest missionary ever the world has ever known, but he used to cruci or excuse me, he used to kill and persecute Christians, including men, women, and children. When God can change and transform those lives, it points us to a God. That, that is a God of reconciliation, a God who takes things that are broken and fixes those. But if you want to live an ordinary life, you just keep blaming your past. You keep living in your past, and you'll never do extraordinary things for God. That's why in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says that uh, if anyone is in Christ, they are a new creation. The old things have passed, and a new thing is here, right? The new, has, new things have come. And then it goes on to say, and in fact, this new thing, I'm giving you a, a job. God is a God of reconciliation. Now I'm giving you the ministry of reconciliation. And so he's saying that, listen, your old life, your past, no matter how jacked up you think it is, I'm going to use that to make you a minister of reconciliation. That means I'm going to make you a mouthpiece, an agent for how loving that I am, that I can forgive people for whatever that they've done. 
an ordinary person, an ordinary faith, though, sticks in their past. So stop that, right? Number one, we're going to stop. Stop being stuck in the past. Your past is no excuse. Uh, the second the second thing we see people with ordinary faith do is uh, they have this belief that they don't have anything to offer. They have a belief that they don't have anything to offer, that, that they've just really not arrived yet. We read stories like this Acts 4 where they do this incredible healing and this incredible proclaiming of the gospel and uh, 5,000 people are saved. And we think, man, I can't do that. That's not me. I can't, I can't write like Paul. I can't speak like Peter. You know, we look at our own church and we look at the talent that's on this stage, singing and playing instruments, uh, doing creative things, the teaching, all of these things. And we're like, that's not me. I don't have those gift sets. I don't have those skills. Well, let's look at Peter again. What, what transformed Peter from being an ordinary to this extraordinary leader for God. Like I said, Peter was a fisherman. Peter was a fisherman. That meant that he was probably not the sharpest guy in his community. It it meant that he was probably not the most eloquent person. He was not the most skilled person other than at fishing around. In fact, it was just the opposite. See, the the cream of the crop, the, the brightest, the smartest, they were ones that were moved into like uh, religious leadership. They were the teachers. They were the ones that had the stature and position. Fishermen did not. Jobs like fishing were for those who did not have much else that they could offer. Acts 4 says, though, that that these religious leaders looked at Peter and they realized that he was an uneducated, untrained man. Yet he was astonished. They were astonished. Do you ever feel like that? Like even in the church here? Do you ever feel like when you look at the people that are on stage or the people that are in back serving or, or you look, um, the people that are doing incredible things for God, you think, man, I can never do those things. I can never be like that. That's just not me. I, I, I'm, I'm a young Christian or I'm, I'm not that devoted. I'm not that dedicated. I'm not that spiritual. I'm not that talented. I'm not that gifted. Well, here's the difference with Peter. It says they recognized Peter was uneducated. He was untrained, but he was spending time with Jesus. He was spending time with Jesus. You want to move from ordinary to extraordinary, you've got to spend time with the Lord. You've got to spend time with God. How how do you leave that ordinary behind? You've got to spend time with Jesus. What does it mean to spend time with Jesus? Because I think there's a lot of people who know a lot about Jesus, but they still don't know Jesus. There's a lot of people who've taken that step of faith towards asking God for forgiveness, but they've not taken that step of faith towards following God in the way that he would ask them to. And when you look at Luke 5, we look at when Peter was first called as a disciple to follow Jesus. Uh, I want to show you a transition that happened in Peter's life. Peter's life. So Jesus was preaching along the the Sea of Galilee, and there was a big crowd that was forming. In fact, it was like pressing him against, to, his back was to the, to the sea, and he was running out of room. And, and so he gets on Peter's boat, and he says, push, push us out so that I can continue to, to teach. And so he finishes teaching, and then he tells Peter, let's go out. And then he says, I want you to drop your nets in the water, okay? So that's where the story picks up. He says, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, or said to Peter, Put out into the deep waters and let down your nets for a catch. 
And then look what Peter says in response. He says, master. Now that word master, the root word is the same word as rabbi. It's rabbonic, it's rabbi, it's teacher. A teacher in this time was a, a position of respect and authority, uh, but it was, it was a teaching position. So he said, teacher, Simon replied, we've worked hard all night long and caught nothing, but at your word, I'll let down the nets. All right, here is what Peter just did. So Peter, Peter said, listen, teacher, expert in the law, person who studies Old Testament for your life, I've been fishing all my life, and I've been fishing all night long, and I've caught nothing. But because I respect you as a teacher, I'm going to placate you. I'm going to humor you. I'm going to let down my nets. I'm going to throw the nets in the, in the middle of the day. When, when you're fishing with nets that are that, that thick, you, you fished at night. So they fished all night, caught nothing. And here comes this teacher of, the, of spiritual things to say, tell a fisherman how to fish. It, it's kind of like when um, Jen and I lived in, in Atlanta suburbs, we drove a lot. That's what you do in the suburbs. You drive all the time. And Jen would say, I think we take right here. I'm like, I know we're supposed to go left. I know we're supposed to go left. And I'd be like, we'd get a little bit of a spat about it, a little bit of an argument. And I would go, all right, we'll go right. We'll take a right just to show you that we're supposed to go left. Usually we were probably supposed to go right and stuff, but that's what Peter's doing here. He's like, I'm going to, we're being honest. He's like, I'm going to show them up. I'm going to placate. I'm going to throw my nets down. And he says, when they did this, they caught a great number of fish in their nets, began to tear. So they signaled to their partners and the other boats to come and to help them. And they came and they filled both boats so full that they began to sink. Now look at this. When Simon Peter saw this, he fell at Jesus's knees and he says, go away from me because I am a sinful man, Lord. See, there's a difference between God being rabbi or teacher and God being Adonai or Lord. When he is Lord of your life, you're willing to follow him. You're willing to adjust your life. You're willing to sacrifice and give and to, to worship. There's a sense of worship here. Teaching, it's, yeah, I respect you because you have a, a position of authority and respect, but that's different than being Lord. But something changed in Peter's life in that moment. There's something changed, and, and we know that something changed because it says right afterwards that he left his fishing business behind and started following Jesus. L let me just kind of drive this point home. Matthew 26, um, the disciples are, are around the table, the last supper before Jesus is getting ready to go to the cross, and, and Jesus tells the disciples, he says, listen, one of you will betray me. One of you is going to betray me tonight. And if you look at verse 22, Matthew 26, 22, it says, deeply distressed, each one, each one of these disciples began to say to him, surely not I, Adonai, surely not I, Lord. Peter, Lord, I would never do that to you. Uh, Philip, Lord, you are, you're my, my Adonai, you're my savior. I, I would never, never betray you. John John would be, Jesus, we've spent so much time together. I'm one of your favorites, right? He played the favorite card. So I'm one of your favorites. I would, I would never do that to you, Adonai, Lord. Verse 23, 
Jesus replied, the one who dipped his hand with me in the bowl, he will betray me. The son of man will go just as it is written about him, but woe to the man whom the son of man is betrayed. And then verse 25, then Judas, his betrayer replied, surely not I, rabbi, surely not I, teacher. I wouldn't do that, teacher. You see the difference? Peter spent time with Jesus. He didn't just get to know Jesus, but he got intimate with Jesus. If you want to continue to live this ordinary life, if you want to continue to live an ordinary life, keep learning more about Jesus, but never getting to really know him intimately and follow him. So if you want to move on, to an extraordinary life, spend time with Jesus. It doesn't take skills. It doesn't take a gift. It just takes getting to know Jesus. The, the third thing, the third thing uh, that I see ordinary people do with their faith is they lack trust in Christ. They have this lack of trust in Christ. If you go back to Peter in Acts 4, uh, let's look at that, those verses again, Acts 4, uh, Peter, um, it, it starts where, in verse 10, where, the, where he's before the religious leaders, right? And, they, and they're like saying, what, what power, what authority, whose name are you doing this in? And the persecution is, you know, getting ready to get started. The, the Christians are starting to live in fear because they know that the, the leaders feel threatened. But Peter... Remember, Peter's the guy that denied Jesus three times two months earlier, a month and a half earlier. Now look at him now. Peter says, let it be known to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that by the name of Jesus Christ the Nazarene, look at this, Jesus Christ the Nazarene, whom you crucified. You remember Jesus, the dude you threw up on the cross and nailed and beat and whipped. That's the guy. That's whose name I do this under. That's the authority. You see the difference in boldness between Peter saying, I don't know him, I don't know him, I don't know him, to, you know whose name I do this under? I do it under Jesus Christ, the one that you guys crucified. And you have the authority and power to crucify me, but I don't care. I don't care. In fact, so Peter's strength was, was built, it was developed, it was, it was, his faith grew in Christ. He moved from this ordinary guy to this, doing this extraordinary things because he started putting his faith in Christ. And even when his life was threatened, even when his happiness was threatened, even when his comfort was threatened, he was willing to stand for his savior. Whereas 50 days earlier, two months earlier, he was not but he had started moving from this extraordinary, ordinary life, excuse me, to this extraordinary life. I'm not gonna read these verses, but we even see in John 21, where Jesus, after Peter had denied him three times, and then Jesus goes to the cross, raised from the dead, and then he presents himself to the disciples. He comes back and he goes straight to Peter. And he goes to Peter and he says, as he's walking, Peter's in this boat again. Peter didn't know what to do. His savior's gone. So he goes back to what he knows, fishing. And, and he sees this man walking on the shore and he says, hey, just throw your nets in the water. 
Sound like a familiar story? And so Peter throws his nets in the waters and the, the nets become so full they begin to break and then he recognizes it's his savior, it's Jesus. So he runs over to his savior, wraps him uh, in a hug and then they, they have fish for breakfast. They cook some fish and then Jesus goes to, to Peter and he says, Peter, do you love me? And he says, Lord, you know I love you. Adonai, you know I love you. And then Jesus says, well, then feed my sheep. And he says, Peter, do you love me? He says, of course, you, you know I love you, Lord. And then he says, well, sh- uh, shepherd my sheep. And he says, third time, he says, Peter, do you really love me? And Peter, the third time, says he's agitated at this point. He says, Lord, you know that I would love, that I love you. You know that I love you. And then Jesus goes on to tell him, well, then feed my sheep. And he says, I assure you, when you were young, he says, you would, you would tie your belt and walk wherever you want. He says, like, like when you're young and you were an ordinary person, you got to do whatever you wanted. You got to put your belt on when you wanted, go wherever you wanted, wherever the, the waves took you, that was fine. He says, but for now on, you're going to do some extraordinary things for me. He says, you no longer have that freedom to go where you want. You're going to follow me. You're going to do what I want you to do. And then look at this, verse 19. It says, he said this to signify by what kind of death he would glorify God with. Jesus told him all this to say, you're going to die for me, but it's going to glorify me. And what church history, the Bible doesn't tell us this, but church history tells us that uh, Peter ended up dying, being crucified. But he thought it a shame to be killed in the same way his Lord and Savior was, so he has to be crucified upside down. See, his faith had matured, and it grew, and it developed, and he moved from being this ordinary person who kept failing to being this extraordinary believer that did incredible, incredible things for God. In the church, I think we have a boatload of people who have accepted the call of forgiveness, but they have not accepted the call to follow him because they're afraid of what that calling entails. And that in calling entails giving up something. It entails giving up something, but do you have the faith that Jesus will provide as you sacrifice? And if you want to have an extraordinary faith, then you find out what's ordinary. You find out what's ordinary and you keep doing it. But if you want to have an extraordinary faith, then you change some things about how you're operating in your life right now. You change some things about your walk. See, too often we just get comfortable and we just want to stay where we are because there's comfort in it. And when you see people do extraordinary things, you see them taking a risk and putting some things out there. C.S. Lewis wrote this. He says, it may be hard for an egg to turn into a bird. I love the language here. It would be a jolly sight harder for it to learn to fly while remaining an egg. We are like eggs at present. And you cannot go on indefinitely being just an ordinary, decent egg. We must hatch or we go bad. See, you can't be an ordinary believer. You can't be an ordinary Christian. You can't be an ordinary church follower forever. You'll just go bad. You'll go bad. You can't maintain ordinary. You've got to take it to the next level. We will always be and stay this ordinary egg. And some of you are okay with that. 
but you're going to go bad. But I'm telling you that you don't have to be. You can be extraordinary. You can do some things for God. We're in a room full of talented, gifted people. Some of you are from the city and you've chosen to stay because you know that you can change things by being in this city. Some of you move from different places all over the country, perhaps the world, to be a part of a city where you can do extraordinary things and change, uh, see some significant change in the areas that you are passionate about. But what Christ is saying is, listen, you can do some extraordinary things for me. And it doesn't take the resources that you think it does. It doesn't take the gifts. It doesn't take all of those talents. It just takes having this, this faithful walk with me, which starts by giving up your past and don't letting your past be your excuse. It, it goes on to be, now spend time with me. Grow and develop with me. Spend intimate time with me. And then trust me as I lead you into that next step. Trust me. Put your faith in me. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. It may be my favorite verses in, in Scripture, but it says, for my thoughts, and I'm, I may be quoting it wrong from what's on the screen, different translation, but it says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways from your ways, and my thoughts from your thoughts. Think about that. Jesus just declared, for as high as the heavens are from the earth, my thoughts and my ways are from your thoughts and your ways. See, we're stuck on this ordinary plane, just trying to, trying to kind of get by with our faith while we're getting by with life and while we're getting by with relationships. And, and God is like, I got so much more. I've got this extraordinary plan for you. I've got this incredible, extraordinary impact that I want you to make. And it may not be a world impact. It may be with just one life, but I've got an extraordinary plan for you. I've got, but you're stuck down here because your thoughts are not my thoughts. Your ways are not my ways. As high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways from your ways and my thoughts from your thoughts. I love Google because I can look up facts and makes me look smart. So uh, the speed of light travels at 186,282 miles per hour. Pretty fast, right? Seven times around the earth in one second. Seven times in one second. It takes light from the moon about 1.3 seconds to go from the moon down to earth. When those doors open and you look outside there, the sun is 91 million miles away. So it takes that light traveling at 186,282 miles per hour, about eight minutes to travel from the sun to hit the face of the earth. Pretty good distance, right? Eight minutes, 186,282 miles hour. The furthest galaxy known to man, and it changes. I have to always look this up because it changes. But the furthest galaxy known to man is the MACS 0647. Does that mean anything to you? No. It is 13.2 billion light years. So you get in a car and you start driving or a train, context, right? You start going 186,000 282 miles per hour, it will take you 13.2 billion light years to get there. Now, a million and a billion aren't even close. A million seconds is about 12 days. A billion seconds is about 32 years. Imagine how big of a distance that is. And God says, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor my ways your ways, declares the Lord. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so are my ways from your ways 
and my thoughts from your thoughts. Would you stop living this ordinary life and align yourself with what God wants in you and live this extraordinary life for him? Extraordinary life for him. You can't imagine what he's got planned and how he's going to use you the way he wants to use you. One of my... um, I think James maybe even quoted it a couple weeks ago. And and it says, um, if God has called you to be a farmer, don't stoop so low to be a king. Being used in extraordinary ways isn't always putting a shoe on every person in the world, but it's being faithful to what God's asked you to do. And God can use you in some incredible, extraordinary ways. Father, it is a blessing to be in your presence with family, with, with people that love you, with people that worship you and praise you. But Lord, we, we have a lot of aspirations. We hear messages and we sing songs and we desire to be those things or we desire to worship you in those ways that we sing. We desire to love you that way, but we've not arrived yet. And we'll never get there on this side of the earth. And we, we understand that, Lord but we're grateful that you will still use us, that you are still creating a new thing, Lord. And the old is is being passed away. It's moving out of our lives more and more every day. And a new creation is being being made, Lord. And now we want to be used by you to help others come to know you and to love you and have a relationship with you. But Lord, you can't use us that way when we're stuck doing the things that we've always done. So, Lord, help us to move beyond an ordinary faith, a a, a safe faith, and help us move to this extraordinary level, Father. Father, a a level that, that that would take our lives and have an impact for your kingdom. And that through that, we would see transformation of people. We'd see a transformation of our building, our neighborhoods, the city, and even a world. And it starts with us being faithful to to you and to what you've called us to. Lord, we're going to try to leave this place and we're going to try to do extraordinary things for you. But I'm just reminded that you've already done the most extraordinary thing for us. And that is sacrifice your son, Jesus Christ, so that we can have this relationship with you. There's somebody in here, Lord, who doesn't understand or has not received that extraordinary gift from you. I pray that today they would seek you out, Lord, that they would try to find a relationship with you and ask them, or excuse me, Lord, and they would ask you to forgive them of that past that haunts them so that they can step, start their, their journey into an, doing extraordinary things for you and with you. We ask this in your son's precious and holy name. Amen. We hope today's message was encouraging for you. We'd also love to hear how God used this message to speak to you. We hear from people all across the country about what God is doing through our podcast, and we'd love to hear from you. You can email us at info at bridgechurchnyc.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Instagram. Our handle for both of those social media outlets is at bridgechurchnyc. Our website is bridgechurchnyc.com.
If you're in the New York City area, we have services at 4 p.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays at 98 Fifth Avenue in Brooklyn, New York, right next to the Barclay Center. We are praying for you and we hope to see you soon.